Welcome to Ask Anarchan, our podcast series where we discuss a topic relating to the work that we do here at Natural Resources Canada, or Anarchan for short. Today, we're talking about rare earth elements. Now, rare earth elements are types of metals that are used in many high-tech devices like smartphones and computers. Before we start, let me explain the format of the show to you in case you're new to the podcast. How this works is that we'll introduce a topic, we'll discuss it with one of our Anarchan experts, and then we'll look to you to continue the conversation over social media. At the end of the episode, if you have any questions on today's topic, we strongly encourage you to go to Twitter and tweet at us using the hashtag AskAnarchan. Our expert will do his or her best to answer all relevant questions. Sounds good? Okay, let's get started. In studio today, we have Janice Zink, Director of Green Mining Innovation Processing here at NRCAN. Janice, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Um, for those of us, and by that I mean mostly me, who don't know what rare earth elements are, could you enlighten us? Uh, can you let us know what they are and why they're important? Certainly, yeah. The rare earth elements are really a group of 17 elements that you find on the periodic table. Usually at the bottom of the periodic table, the, the ones that you can't pronounce, the ones you've never looked at, the ones you didn't have to memorize in high school. Uh, there's 15 there, and there's two others that are classified as rare earth elements. But I won't go into what, you know the periodic table and, and that part of it, but they're actually known as the green elements because of, as you noted before, their application in a, in a number of um, areas, particularly clean technology. So they're known as the green elements, and they have very, very specific properties. They're actually not even rare. The, the amount of rare earth elements that are present in the Earth's crust actually are greater than you find in a lot of other metals. But it's really um, the fact that um, the, the challenge around the rare earth elements is that they're not concentrated. They're not economically concentrated, so they're very, very difficult to extract and to, to pull into a, um, a form that we can actually use. So if I give you the analogy that, for like the cookie analogy I like to use, the cookie, uh, the chocolate chip cookie, you would have a concentration like uh, of chocolate of sugar in that in that cookie and that cookie is a lot like we would see in a, in a gold deposit maybe or another me metal bearing deposit where it's easy to go in relatively easy at least and um, pop out the rarer the pop sorry pop out the gold because they're they're concentrated together but the rarer are more like you might find sugar in a sugar cookie they're all over the place and so if you or I asked you to try to get the sugar out of a sugar cookie it would be very challenging and every grain of sugar is actually a different type of rare earth. So they're, while they're, they're ubiquitous, they're everywhere, they're probably in your backyard, they're just not the, in concentrations that are high enough for us to mine cost-effectively, nor um, environmentally, uh, sensitively. Uh, it's very challenging. Yeah, it sounds, uh, it sounds challenging for sure. Um, and these rare earth elements are used in clean technology, but also a lot of like high-tech devices, right? Absolutely, yeah. You, you know, you can't have a, a cell phone or a smartphone without rare earths. All the lovely colors you have on your screen, those are the rare earths, actually. They have specific properties, and, and a lot of them are very much uh, light emitters, and those and they'll emit different colors. And, and so you see them in your, your smartphone, but you see them, of course, in uh, your, uh, your computers, but also other applications. I noted already clean tech. Uh, we talk defense. Many of the defense applications, missiles, are all used on medical applications. So they're used because they have, as I said, very specific properties uh, that other elements don't have. And I know your previous podcast was on electric vehicles, so I thought I'd just touch a bit on that, that um, 
you know, we talk about electrical vehicles and how there's just growing interest in them. You can see that the demand is, is increasing and, and um, they're becoming more and more attractive, particularly, you know, with Tesla. Uh, and, but just a, uh, one electric vehicle, one hybrid vehicle, in fact, contains about 30 pounds of rare earth elements. That's a, that's a lot, 30 pounds, because the, the amount of rare earths that are produced around the world globally is very, very small. Because you only usually need a small amount of them in some in applications like your smartphone, uh, you don't produce a lot of them. But we're definitely seeing um, deficit predictions. In fact, we're in deficits already now for uh, supply of the rare earths. And many countries are stockpiling these resources. So the, the um, stability of that supply for manufacturing is really a, an issue of uh, of criticality and many jurisdictions such as the US, uh, European Union, Japan have declared the rare earths as critical elements, ones that require um, protection and they need a more of a strategic approach in terms of, in terms of uh, securing that supply. Really, uh, what's the situation in Canada? Do we, do we mine uh, rare earth elements? So yeah, we are, our, um, our geology is such that there are a number of deposits that have been identified with rare earth elements. We do not mine rare earths here in Canada. Uh, we did for a small period of time back in the 70s, really as a byproduct from the uranium industry around in Elliott Lake. But we haven't since then. And um, in looking at the deposits in Canada, the, the, the mineralogy or the, uh, the geology is quite a bit different. The deposits are quite a bit different than where most of the rare earths are produced, which is in China. So it's very, very complex uh, in order to get the rare earths out of the, of the rocks in a way that we can do it sustainably, we make sure that we're not, not harming the environment, but also economically, because a lot of times, um, you know, it, we can't be extracting value from a resource unless it's cost effective. And this is why we kind of try to apply the principles of green mining to rare earths as well, so that we can increase the, um, the, the value coming from them by reducing the cost, but also making sure that the practices that are being applied are kind of environmentally sensitive and, and sustainable. Okay, well, that actually brings me to my next question. I was kind of curious to see what we do here at, at NRCAN regarding rare earth elements, because um, you're part of the, um, the team that does research for, for REs. Uh, can you let us know a little bit about uh, the work that you do? For sure. Um, so we started a program back in 2015 uh, on rare earth elements, uh, a fairly large um, undertaking, trying to look at extracting the value from the rare earth deposits that we have in Canada. Uh, we're working closely with industry. It's actually been deemed, uh, you know, CAMET-led, uh, industry driven uh, initiative because it was critical for us to be able to identify what were the gaps that the industry had in their technologies in order for them to advance uh, and we've actually seen how it's very challenging as we get detail into the process itself to figure out um, how to extract all the, the individual rarers uh, in a way that we don't leave behind huge amounts of waste and we don't consume lots of chemicals. So we have a program that we started, as I said, in 2015. It looks at the full um, processing cycle, not the mining, not the part about getting the rocks out of the ground. I think that's fairly straightforward. Uh, it's more in terms of when we get the rocks, we, we have to, as I said before, they're, they're in such a concentrations that are so dilute in the rock, we have to find a way of concentrating them. That's the first step. We need to understand the minerals themselves, how they behave, but then concentrate them so that we're not trying to um, 
process huge quantities of rocks for very small quantities of rare earths. So we use different methods, such as a combination of things like gravity, um, magnetism. Uh, we try to use what's called flotation to float uh, the rare earth elements, the, the, the minerals that are containing rare earth elements. That allows us to, again, to concentrate them. And then once we had them in a, in a concentrate, we then need to put them into a solution. And that process um, involves usually two steps. Because they're so complex and so challenging, and they were also very um, difficult to remove the rare earths, we actually have to bake them. So we bake them in a very, very harsh environment. So high temperature, high concentrations of usually acids or corrosives in order to break down the, the mineralogical structure so that we can release them. And from there, we wash them, or we leach them with water, and they go into solution. And that's, that's one step, but then they're all in the solution with everything else. And now we gotta try to get them out. And that is another challenge in itself. How do we get them out uh, to get uh, in a way without pulling everything out at the same time, all of impurities, and then even more difficult, once you have them all out and they're all very similar, how do you separate one from the other? And we have a big part of our program that looks at the environmental side of things. Okay, so how, what are the toxicity effects of not only the rare earths themselves, because a lot of that information isn't available, but also the, a lot of the reagents or the chemicals that we're using. We need to understand that better, and we're working very closely with our colleagues uh, in the rest of the government of Canada to make sure we're feeding that information into the policy and regulatory um, uh, development side of things. So uh, one other piece that we're looking at is can we extract rare earths from secondary sources, so not going into primary mining. We have a lot of waste material left over from other operations. It could be from other mining operations, could be from um, uh, fertilizer manufacturing, could be, so we were looking at these waste products to extract the rare earth oil sands tailings. A lot of these things have concentrations of rare earth that may be economically, uh, may be economically viable for processing. So that's another piece of the work that we're doing now. So we're trying to look at it from various different angles to make sure that we can really fulfill those those gaps that are existing for the industry, but also for uh, the regulatory community, for the governments to, for, to make informed decisions. And we're working closely with our policy and economic commodity specialists here uh, in Natural Resources Canada to, to kind of complete the whole picture. So at the end of our six-year program, we're halfway through now, we'll have the, that kind of toolbox of knowledge, technologies, techniques, in order for the industry to go forth into production. So Janice, uh, you talked about working with industry. Are you involved in any pilot projects or anything of the sort? Certainly. So, you know, our research is at various stages. So we have research at the bench level, and of course, ideally, we want to bring that up to scale up to pilot and ultimately to demonstration. So just uh, a few months ago, we completed a pilot campaign on doing the concentration, so the mineral processing part of things for one of the rare earth element companies. And uh, we were able to actually show with our results that we could reduce their capital expenditure for their, their mine operation by... $46 million, and their operating expenditure, annual operating expenditure, by $3.5 million. So we ran that through our, our pilot um, system we have here uh, in the Boo Street complex. What about on the regulation side 
uh, are, what's our involvement? So in, on regulations and standards, uh, with regulations, uh, we're working with Environment Canada and Climate Change Canada in feeding the information on the ecotoxicity of rare earths into their uh, regulatory development. And on the standards, we're working internationally uh, under the ISO to be able to look at developing this, the standards necessary for the whole rare earth industry globally. And there's a major initiative right now, a new standard that's under development um, involving a number of countries. And Canada is leading on a number of fronts. One of the things that we're leading on is traceability. It's very important right now in terms of looking at, you know, where, what's the provenance of the rare earths? You know, we've talked before, uh, uh, you hear in the media about, you know, blood diamonds and, and you know, issues around where the cobalt is coming from. Rare earths is, is somewhat the same, maybe not on an ethical point of view, but it, a lot of the rare earths are coming from illegal mining operations in China. And even China uh, is um, concerned about illegal mining. And so by being able to determine the provenance of where rare earths is coming from, you can kind of uh, ensure that codes and standards and regulations and guidelines are being followed. So Canada is leading on the piece for the standards on the traceability. So identifying what needs to, what you need to look at. And it's somewhat easier if you look at other things where you can label. When you're talking about a rare earth element, it's usually it's in a powder format. How, how do you label it. You can't put a barcode on it in any way. You can't etch inside, you know, this is where it's come from. So it's difficult to have, uh, you know, to trace the origin of a rare earth and understand where it's coming from a process. But it's, it's complex, but it's a critical piece, I think, in terms of looking at the whole global environment of where rare earths are coming from. And securing that supply uh, is, is very important for a lot of jurisdictions. Uh, and you start looking at things like defense and missile manufacturing and uh, defense applications, and if you're not sure where rare earths are coming from and, and then the magnets are coming from, it, it gets very, very complicated. So s having a secure supply, understanding where rare earths come from are all part of the puzzle that we're trying to piece together, uh, again, to make sure that Canada is in good position. It's, it has the opportunity to... Um, to develop its resources with, the, with all its the knowledge, tools, standards, uh, regulation, guidelines, and policies that are, is, that are necessary. Well, traceability is really interesting. Can you actually do that for, a, for something that's in powder form? It's not, again, it's not that, it's not that easy. Uh, certainly okay. you, can't, you can't label it the same way. Oh. And that's why um, it's a discussion that's taking place in, on the international front and trying to get all the countries on board on and what we're proposing on how we can go forward with this looking at traceability uh, of the rare earths and, and you know at the various stages because one thing is you know get it out of the ground and you just got to go through various processing steps then it gets put into um, batteries and uh, in, into magnets and things like that so it, it's um, very very important to understand all the steps where it goes but extremely challenging of course thank you so much Janice oh you're very welcome my pleasure now is the point of the episode where we ask you to continue the conversation over social media if you have any questions for Janice or if you have comments on this episode we'd like you to get on Twitter and tweet at us using the hashtag AskAnarchan 
Also, if you're interested in learning more about this subject, we encourage you to visit our online magazine Simply Science at www.nrcan.gc.ca slash simply hyphen science and look for the podcast page on rare earth elements. We'll have links available to any relevant material. While you're there, take the time to browse Simply Science. We have a lot of great content for you. We have previous podcast episodes, articles, as well as videos that showcase Anarchan science and scientists. And if you like this episode and you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, please consider subscribing so you can check out any previous or future episodes. Well, that's it for us today. Thank you for listening. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>